I thought for a minute I was going to be speaking from behind a puppet stage, which I thought that would be interesting. You know, I, I didn't think I would get all emotional about this, but how dumb can I be? Because uh, <laughs> this is, is a remarkable time. Um, Jan and I have come back here um, from, you know, what I, what I need to say first is good morning, good news. It's so good to see you all. Uh, but what I should be saying now is, Hi, y'all. Jan and I have for almost uh, four years now, right? We've lived in uh, South Carolina, the heart of the South, and we're learning a whole new language there. Uh, They they have this wonderful melodic way of speaking. It's it's great to listen to. Evidently, I don't speak very clearly. Uh, They frequently ask me to translate what I just said. And I do the same for them. Um, my name down there is Wayan because there are no one-syllable words uh, in the South. But, but that's, you know, that's okay because I grew up in New York where they say beer, you know, for beer. And uh, so they, they do the same thing there, but it's a different, different accent entirely. But there are a number of things that are just shocking to get used to moving to the South. First of all, the dirt is red. I don't know if you know that. There's red dirt. Uh, they, there is an incredible politeness. Everything is yes, sir, yes, ma'am, uh, to everyone. And it, it is just it's so refreshing. It really is delightful. Thank you. And uh, they, they have a, a, a wonderful way of saying, well, bless his heart. Now, I always thought that that was so wonderful and such a nice thing to say, but what I... When you tell a story and someone says, well, bless your heart, what they mean, really mean is you're as dumb as a post. How could you get into that situation? <laughs> and, and you need God to rescue you. Um, we, we, are, we are 15 miles from Clemson University. So that is tiger country down there. And, and, and you cannot escape it at all if you're, if you're an athletic fan at all of college. And, and I love to tweak uh, Pastor Ralph about the Alabama team that unfortunately lost last year uh, to Clemson. But it is, it's, uh, the other thing, another thing to get difficult to get used to is the weather. It's hot. All except for maybe two weeks, it seems like, it's hot. And what, what, it's hard to describe it. Here, when it's hot, it get, in the daytime, it gets cool at night. There, when it's hot all day, at night, it gets dark. <laughs> it's still hot. And, and, and you know, I, I just, uh, it's difficult to wrap your mind around those kind of changes. God brought us here. I grew up in a, in a German Lutheran church in New York. So I'm used to German names. Jan and I came. Jan's from an Italian background here in Chicago. And we, God brought us into this wonderful community uh, of Humboldt Park first. And I had to get used to all these Spanish names. Uh, you know... I'm not sure how it is now, but if you ever looked at the R section of our old church directory, it went on forever. You know, when you get to the R's, 
you just don't, you don't run out of names. Then God took us from here to a German community in Ohio. And Jan kept saying to me, how do you say these names? And I said, well, this is what I grew up with. That's the German Lutheran name. I can do all of these things. And, and so it was such a, a great contrast. We went from uh, all the years here in the city to moving to a town of 4,000 people in Flatland, Ohio. Uh, farmers and, and just wonderful people, though. You, you discover one of the things that, that I always talked about is how big God's kingdom is. And we moved to Ohio, and I got to see it all over again. God's kingdom is huge. It's everywhere. And then we moved to South Carolina, and God is at work there. And so never, never think that, oh, you know, God is only at work here. He's at work everywhere all at once, and you are part of a, a massive worldwide community that God is building. And it is few things could be as exciting as, as being a part of that. Now, anniversaries, a 40th anniversary. I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that one. Anniversary, anniversaries are the chimes of history's clock, reminding us that we're moving forward. Time is going forward. And I've discovered from Scripture that to excitedly anticipate the future, it's important to remember the working of God in the past. Now, I, I want to put some of you at ease. I've been to church anniversaries. I remember going to a 50th church anniversary, and all they did was talk about the past 50 years before I got there. If you're part of this congregation in the last few years, this is for you as well. Because God, the same God who worked there, is working today. And this is the beginning of your history that you will someday look back on. Uh, it, it is a, it's important, though, for us to look backwards so that we can approach the future with confidence. Now, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is a long psalm, and I want to be, give you rest right away. We're not going to go through the whole psalm verse by verse. I want to pick out two passages in there. It's written by a fellow named Asaph. Asaph was a work, uh, worship leader under King David. He was one of the worship leaders in the temple. And he wrote a number of psalms. I think there are 12 of them that he wrote. And he was reflecting as a worship leader on where Israel was at that time and what they needed to know at that time about the past in order to go forward. And so that's this 78th Psalm is Asaph writing here. And let's just read the first four verses again. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark, and what I sh you should say here, hidden sayings, okay? He's going to say, I'm going to bring forward the stuff that nobody remembers. So that's the dark part about this. He says, I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, and we will 
But tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. When I was a kid, I used to like to listen to the old folks, my aunts and uncles and my grandparents. We'd get together for birthdays. It was kind of loud and and the the kids were running all over the place and chaotic. And uh, we'd get together for Sunday evenings and the families would just get together and everybody bring something and we'd share it all together. And I loved to listen to the stories. Because they were talking about a time before I was born. Something, a time that I know nothing about, except that they could remember it for me. And that's kind of what I want us to do. In preparation to, for coming here, we got out, I got out an old uh, CD full of pictures that I have from Good News. And, oh, it's shocking how young you all were. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just amazing to me. Uh, and, and it, it was so much fun to think about where those adults are today and where those children are today who are grown adults with children of their own in many cases. The first thing I want us to know is that when God moves, the impossible happens. That's what Asaph was writing about. He said, I'm going to tell you something. And you, this current generation, needs to know about the past in order to go forward. And I'm going to tell you some things about the past, just to remind you of them. When we started out, we were absolutely unskilled. We had nothing that would tell anyone that whatever was happening at that time would last for 40 years, much less a week or two. Uh, we were totally ignorant about what was going on, but we knew something. We knew that God was at work. We just had this overwhelming sense that God was moving us, and we had no choice but to take the next step, whatever it might be. What Josie didn't tell you about uh, our meeting at Devil's Lake was I asked for a discussion about when we would, what we would do next. I told them they had to become a part of a church. And uh, they said, we will uh, become a church. Instead of becoming a part of a church, we will become a church. And I thought, good, we'll think about this, pray about this for six, eight months, and then we'll start. So I said the next question, okay, when do you want to start? And they said, well, how about next Sunday? (laughs) And so we did. We started in the basement of our house. It was over near North and Austin and Laramie. And we met there, I think about 15 or so people. And we don't have any, we do have a couple of pictures. We have a a photo of in our collection there of the first Christmas Eve. You can see our water heater in the background. It's It's just a beautiful church setting. But what I think about when I think about those pictures in my mind I think about what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. And I would have to say, in our case, not a one of us was of noble birth. Uh, That's who God used. He just used anybody that was willing. And God will still do that. I love to hear the, the testimonies from people of the, of the present saying that we were just willing to, to step into this. And that's exactly right. It's exactly right. 
Our first gatherings in the basement of our house were nothing to write home about. I am thankful that there are no recordings of it. Uh, it, it was where I first discovered emphatically that I do not have the gift of song leading and that we had our children meeting upstairs. We had to move them to the back of the house because they sang so much better than us. It, it threw us off uh, down below there. So we saw God calling a church into existence. We celebrated God's work as often as we gathered. We, we just love to be together. And I've heard some of you talk about a community and a family, and, and small groups are so critical to the glue of a church. I mean, if you are not a part of a small group today, I don't know that you'll be here in two years. Because the glue that comes from praying together, caring for one another, celebrating together, just talking together, eating together, that glue is the underlying foundation for a congregation. And so if you're not a part of a small group, you need to get to it. It's, it's an, a critical part of how God wants to work. I remember our picnics. We started church picnics, and uh, they were, became annual events that were highly anticipated. We, uh, we ate tons of food. This is where I learned about arroz amarillo and flan. Oh, just... Just wonderful things. We had baptisms and testimonies, and, and you know, there's a co- many testimonies that stand out to my mind. One I think of is, is Charlie Foster. He was just a little guy then. I don't know how old he was. And he's standing in this pool that we're using to baptize, and he started singing in his little voice, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm standing next to him, listening to him sing, and then I look out at all the adults standing around, and they're standing there crying. It's a powerful time that we were witnesses of. And by the way, I want to be careful about names. I had this, Jan said, what are you thinking about this? And I said, I have a great fear of forgetting somebody's name. So if I've already forgotten your name, please forgive me. I'm going to get it back. It's just that, uh, you know, I, gotta, I have to re uh, reconnect uh, my mind to, to being here. We lived life together with joy and tears. We saw babies being born for a while. I thought we were just living in Genesis where it said, be fruitful and multiply, you know, because <laughs> it, it just seemed to be happening all the time. And we were building our own Sunday school from the ground up. We, uh, we, we celebrated weddings, and that has always been one of my great joys meeting with a young couple, anticipating life together. And, and I'm, I'm delighted to hear that out of some of those connections, there are families now that are joining together and, uh, in marriage. And I, and I love to hear about that and, and think about that very thing. And, of course, we also came together for that difficult part of life, the reality of funerals. And we cared for one another through times of grieving. But that's part of life. It's part of being together and living life together. We shared great events together. Promise keepers. You know, for the men, God, if you remember that, God was at work and doing something powerful among our men. And uh, I can remember particularly carrying uh, Joey Perez, who who was dying, and carrying him, the men. These guys from, from Good News carrying him to all the events. 
and then taking him down to the infirmary in between when he had to get kind of a recharge. Uh, That was watching God at work among men. And so we saw, we went to promise keepers. I remember standing for life. I still believe that if there's anything that the first generation of good news will leave to the future generation is that we stand for life. That we are pro-life because God is pro-life. And we need to speak up for that continually because there will always be a battle about that. Um, I remember the, the groups, the home groups, and men's and women's ministries. I remember joining in 2003 with Salem Church. And what a remarkable time that was for us. Again, we had a sense of God moving and moving us along. And, and I still remember one of those first services when we were here and we filled the balcony in the, down here. And I remember Rick Lexby coming out. He's in his assigned seat, by the way. That's where, that's where he, he has to sit. And he stepped out and he looked up. And that just gave me a chill. Because we saw God at work. And we were seeing it again and again and again, we used to do the children's musicals, and uh, what fun that was. God led us as we wandered from place to place. We were kind of like Israel for a while. Uh, we rented space from Inner City Impact. We were upstairs, then we were downstairs, then we were upstairs and downstairs. And then we went, after our fifth anniversary, we moved to Levitt Street Church, which uh, we, we moved to an afternoon worship service. Some of you have once or one time or another said, boy, I'd really like to go to an afternoon service. Could I tell you, you don't mean it? <laughs> if, if you only had afternoon services, you just wouldn't go anywhere. And we painfully discovered that. And then God opened up a door again at Inner City Impact at another location on Fullerton Avenue. I remember going in there and, and, and seeing the women of our church sewing a huge stage curtain, as big as, this, as the room was, and, and the men up in the attic rigging the whole thing to work, and how from that, for 17 years, we built a stage every week and made curtains, used curtains and lighting and everything, and then took it all down and made it disappear for 17 years. We go to a church now that has some campuses that are, are portable as well, and... Um, we hear once in a while they say, yeah, we've, we've been doing this now for four years, and it's getting kind of old. And I think, yeah, try 17 years. <laughs> it gets really old. We made our own music, something I never thought would happen. But it's still going on today. I love it. I love that we have the music. And God brought students from Moody Bible Institute time and time again uh, to help with the music, help with Sunday school, to do all kinds of things. Uh, I, I love hearing about young people that have gone off into various kinds of ministry from their connection here, from their start here. You know, I don't know if you realize what's happening. When you have children come up on a stage and perform something, you are setting them up to be among the most unique people in, the, in our culture. Because to stand in front of, of people and speak is a terrifying thing. And so you're giving them courage to do something that most people, 99% of people, don't want to do. And you're giving them the boldness to do that. Now carry on and, and, and keep doing that. Now the second thing I want us to know is that your remembered wonder gives the next generation a foundation to build on. When you rehearse 
the old days. You're not just being a cranky old person, I hope. You are helping a new generation to pick up the vision that God had given to you. And if you lose your sense of wonder, you will just have cold history. You know, the writer of this psalm goes on in many places and he keeps going back to the Exodus. And he keeps talking about what God did when he parted the sea and the plagues on Egypt. And he speaks of that with a sense of awe and wonder. And he wanted to pass that on. He was afraid the next generation didn't remember. And so that has to happen. And here we have to have the joint histories of Salem Church and good news. And it has to be remembered because God has been at work in this location as well for over a hundred years. And it's a powerful, powerful thing to keep in mind. Don't ever lose your sense of wonder over what God has done. Because you just have cold history and the next generation will not pick it up. They won't care if you're not still excited about what God did. When you rehearse what God has done, it's the only way to pass on that wonder. If you don't remember and rehearse what God has done among you, the next generation will be without hope. Listen to what Asaph says in verse 6. That the next generation might know them. Children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So all of you adults in here, you have to rehearse this. You have to rehearse how God brought you here. However long ago it was, the way that God brought you here is significant because God was at work and is at work in your life. And you need to tell someone about it. You know what I've discovered? If God does something in your life and you don't tell anybody, it's as if it didn't happen. So when God is doing something in your life, you tell somebody. You tell that person you're sitting next to at work. Because you're going to give them hope. We have an epidemic of suicide in our culture. Brought on by our, our confused thinking about so many things. of Hopelessness. And if you can tell someone... That God has been at work and you've seen it, you've experienced it. You're giving them hope. You're giving them something for their future, something to live on. To me, the saddest verse, perhaps, in all of Scripture is Judges chapter 2, verse 10. He said in all in that, in Judges 2.10, it says, And all that generation, the generation that knew Joshua, were also gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done in Israel. How could they do that? How could they not pass it on? How could you not tell your children, not tell your grandchildren, not tell your neighbors? How could you do it? And I have to tell you that Christianity is only one generation at any time. It's only one generation away from disappearing. And so it's incredibly important that you tell somebody. Tell your children, tell your grandchildren. They will love you for it, and they'll remember it for the rest of their lives. Later on in Psalm 78, Asaph writes, In spite of all this, in spite of all the wonders God did in Egypt and delivering them, they still sinned despite his wonders they did not believe. It needs to be passed on. God remembers, even when we forget, 
He remembers his love. I, I, I have just found that, to me, two of the most significant words that keep coming back, this phrase that comes back to me over and over again, are the two words, steadfast love. They always refer to God. And very often they're linked with steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love. Look it up sometime when you see those words together. Well, I'll save you some time. It appears 196 times in the Bible. Talking about God's steadfast love. He loves you at any moment in your life. At the worst moment. At your most... Re- oh, I just stepped on my screen here. Okay. At the, the most rebellious moment of your life. God loves you intensely. He has a steadfast love for you, even when you have not returned that love. And he is pursuing you and will always pursue you. If you are his child, that's not just a temporary situation. That's the reality in which you will live for the rest of your life. God remembers. Thirdly, knowing what God has already done, you can expectantly anticipate the future. If you know that God delivered Israel with these marvelous uh, plagues on all the gods of Egypt and brought Israel out and rescued them, and if you saw what God has been doing in this church for all these years, you can have confidence that God will continue. He is the same God. The same God that could take a group of people that didn't know what we were doing and begin to build a church in a new place, a new church, a new congregation. God is still the soul-saving, miracle-working, life-changing, way-making, marriage-healing, identity-giving, promise-keeping, future-keeping God and Savior that he was in 1979. Psalm 71. O God, from my youth you have taught me. I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray and I think white hair, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. You adults have a responsibility here. You have to pass on what you know. You have to talk in front of your children. Just let them think they're eavesdropping about the wonder days that God was working in your life. You are planted here in Logan Square, Humboldt Park, for a reason. There are people who think that they can do life on their own. There are people who think that you can be good without God. I keep hearing that phrase showing up. It's not true, folks. You can't do life well without God. You can't get the depths of life. Uh, We live in a culture now that increasingly thinks that they are smarter than God. And they can't understand why life hurts so much and is so painful and hopeless. And you can tell someone. You have the answer for someone who God has put in your circle in order to encourage them. And I, I have to say to you, the great danger for me and for many of the older folks here is to look backwards constantly and I want to tell you that God has a great future for Good News Bible Church God has a he's not done yet he'll do it all over again in fact I was thinking of calling this message do it again because I want to see God do it again I want to see this congregation 
reach out in a new way, in the same way. I mean, it was so simple. We had small groups and somebody invited their brother-in-law, their sister, their cousin. They invited friends and they brought them into the group. And those groups grow and we had to keep multiplying them. It's so simple. All you have to do is invite somebody. And you will change them forever because, because God is at work. There, there's one woman that came to my mind. This is so dangerous because I'm going to leave somebody out. But I remember Mandy Ross coming. And she came three years in a row. Somebody invited her to come. on. It turned out to be the same Sunday every year. I don't know why it was. But it, the same subject matter came up every year. And she came and... She was a communist by by avocation. I mean, that was her thinking. And she was uh, pro-abortion and pro-everything that goes along with that mindset. And she was invited back every year in January when we celebrated Sanctity of Human Life. Every time she showed up here, we were talking about the same thing again. And the first year, she just wanted to run. And the second year, she listened a little. And the third year... God got a hold of her heart. So you're thinking, I hope you're thinking about someone who is the hardest person that you know to God. You know, that their heart has no space for God. That's the person that God wants to reach. So that he can hold that person up and let others know, this is what I can do. This is the kind of life that God can give you. Now, I was in our church service in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago thinking about today. And, and this verse came to me that I think the Apostle Paul wrote just for me at this occasion. It's at the end, it's in chapter 4 of Philippians, the first verse. And he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, you cannot know what it's like for us to be far away from all of you. Uh, my joy and my crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. To Jan and I, that's who all of you are. You are our joy. You are our crown. If there's anything... I love to tell people about, we always have people, both in Ohio and that farm town that was terrified of Chicago, and, uh, and, and down in South Carolina, they find out you're from Chicago, and they say, well, isn't there a lot of violence there? I said, yes, it's true. Weren't you afraid to be there? No. Because God was at work, and is at work in the city of Chicago, and we know this incredible group of people who allowed us into their lives, and who adopted us. And we love them, and they love us back. And there's no fear in that. We cared for one another and care for one another. I, I have to thank all of you that have called or, or tried to find out if we're okay in hurricanes. You have to know we are four hours away from the coast of, of South Carolina. This is, you're all geographically challenged, I know. Uh, but we are, we are four hours away. We're up in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. I learned that they're not the Appalachian Mountains. They're the Appalachian Mountains. Right, Karen? <laughs> uh, and, and so we, 
we, we have learned those things, and, and we are relatively safe from these storms. Uh, even if they come up into there, by the time they get to us, there's not much left. But thank you, because when we hear about you caring for us, it's just remarkable. Good news is about to enter into a new season, and there are many new seasons. I often think about the ministry as kind of like a relay race where you run a lap and then you pass off the baton. And good news is pass the baton a number of times and will continue as long as God is at work here. And you're right on the edge. You're right on the edge. These are great days for you. And I know they're a bit fearful because it's unknown in some ways. But you've had a committee at work, a search committee. And I have to tell you that that's a hard job. That's a difficult job. And the people that sit on search committees in churches feel the weight of that. Maybe more than anything else they've ever done in the church ministry, sitting on a search committee, you feel like, oh, my goodness, because everybody has an opinion about everything else. And I don't know, you know, if you've been critical, I really don't know about these things. But I know that that goes with the territory. And I hope that you look for these people who are on the search committee here and you go up and you thank them. Because God is working through them. And there's a new generation, a new, a new season coming for good news. And I'm thrilled to hear of the outcome of the committee's work and that Carlos is, is ready to, to step into that position of leadership. And, you know, Carlos, I knew, Carlos, I knew your mom. And she was wonderful. Uh, she taught me some of my some Spanish words and phrases that I just couldn't get in my head other ways. Uh, so it, it's precious. And, and that connection goes on uh, through ICI and now here. And, and so I hope... There is nothing that you can do better for your own future than to get behind him and to stand with him. He's going to feel it. There's, it's, it's not fun work sometimes. It's wonderful work, but it's not always fun. And he needs to know that you are with him. A pastor needs to know that the congregation says yes even when we don't quite understand everything, we're for it. There is a community here in Logan Square, Humboldt Park, that desperately needs what you have. And you need to pass the next, pass into the next season for good news with strength and with power. And, and I just... I'm thankful for, for uh, what's coming, for what's coming. Because I want to hear someday the stories as they unfold of lives that are changed. Because God is still at work. He's still moving. Let's pray. Carlos, can you come up here? Yeah. Lord God, it has been a wonder, an amazing journey. <laughs> Who could describe such a thing? Who would have thought 40 years ago that we'd be standing here 
and, and celebrating this day in such a way. But I thank you for your faithfulness, your steadfast love over so many years. And though we have often failed you, you have never failed us once. And you have led us all the way. We thank you. Oh, we thank you and praise your name. And I thank you for Carlos. I thank you that this next season has a leader. And that you have given him excitement about what is yet to come. Oh, I pray that you thrill his heart. That he would have a deep, deep love for everyone that you bring here. And for this community. And I pray for this congregation that you will stand with him and uphold him and defend him and that you will have his back. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you for these days. May your blessing continue on here. And and may this day, as the celebration continues, be a day of great joy and celebration. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.